Welcome to Make It Kick-Ass, where we help leaders of growing communities bring their people together with purpose and lasting impact. Join us as we explore how to make events engaging, exciting, energizing, and profitable so that you can build a healthy, sustainable community. I'm Isaac Watson, founder and lead strategist at Kick-Ass Conferences. And I'm Nessa Jimenez, operations manager at Kick-Ass Conferences. Now let's make it kick-ass together. Hello, event friends. Welcome back to another episode. This is our response episode to the interview that we just had with Jed Chang. If you have not listened to that yet, I would recommend walking it back and listening to that first because Nessa and I are going to dig in a little deeper to some of the things we talked about with Jed, um, which was it was a great conversation. I, I absolutely loved I adore Jed. I've worked with him on a number of events over the years, uh, and I love his personality and the perspective that um, uh, that he brings to it. Um, so I, I think uh, some context first might be helpful about some of the stuff we talked about. So we referenced, Jed and I um, first met each other through an event called the World Domination Summit, WDS for short, but we didn't really talk about what that is. And usually when people right. hear the word world, words World Domination Summit, they're like, um, excuse me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, let me just, uh, add, add some notes there. So the WDS was a, was a conference that was an independent conference that ran for 10 years, started in 2011. Um, they had to, to pause because of COVID, uh, naturally. And I think their last year was in, uh, 2022. Um, and, it was built. It was hosted by uh, an author and longtime blogger and traveler named Chris Gillibo. Um, he's also done podcasts and all kinds of stuff since. Uh, and it was centered around gathering uh, self-identified unconventional people uh, into a weekend or, in some cases, a week-long's worth of activities and uh, adventures focused on how to kind of make a uh, an unconventional life into you know, working for yourself or traveling abroad or things like that. It was very community oriented. Uh, it was program wise. The talks were kind of motivational, inspirational calls to action. Um, and there were workshops and parties and things like that. And so essentially it was in Portland every year and, uh, everyone would descend upon Portland for the summer at its peak. I think we had 2,700 people, uh, at the event. Um, it averaged usually around 1200 or so, and it was just an all out great time. Fantastic humans. Um, a lot of people who were freelancers or building their own, uh, businesses, online entrepreneurs, uh, you had some travel hackers and nomads and all kinds of sorts like that. Um, and that, like working on that team, that's kind of how I uh, honed my skills around event production. Uh, and the same was true for Jed, I believe. Um, but that the team that we worked with and the way that that event operated informed a lot about what Jed and I uh, have built into the work that we do today. So, so for us, that was a very kind of critical event. Yeah, I, I think that like everyone, first of all, everyone that has attended WDS, I feel like they tend to cite it as being very formative, like either yes. um, 
in the backstage like the people that worked on it and mm-hmm. also the people that attended it like i don't uh, i think it's very few people that went and didn't feel like it really did something for them so yeah it's a super formative event and like you and jed and you just mentioned that like how it how how influential it was in your approach to um mm-hmm. event production and so i kind of wanted to get into that because i feel like that is why you from the very beginning have been so attendee first so do you want to get into that a little bit Sure. The what was great about that team is like WDS was was a conference that its primary purpose was to bring like minded people together and to f- give them ways to support each other essentially. And so uh, as Chris would lead the team, I was on the team for five or six years. Um, everything we did. Uh, always started from the the perspective of how the attendees are going to experience the event. Attendee experience was like a phrase we used all the time. Um, that was just how we approached the planning process, the strategy behind the speakers that Chris was inviting, um, how we were programming things, the more exciting and non-boring activities that we were planning. Um, all of that stuff played into it. And to me, that was part of like, I attended the event before I joined the team of my own accord. And the event itself was very formative for me. Like you said, Nessa, like I, it kind of changed my perspective and my life. I felt this really strong sense of community with these people. And so being able to have benefited from that community and then uh, become a part, became a part of creating that experience for that community was really important to me. Yeah, and that and that leads nicely into what I think was like a big aha f- moment for the three of us during our conversation mm-hmm. was this idea of essentially people want to be seen and they want to be seen in events and the events where they do feel seen are the ones that they have the biggest impact. So mm-hmm. I'm curious about what what were your thoughts as we kind of like got into that aha moment? <laughs> I mean, the the aha moment was yours. You articulated that so succinctly, like people just want to be seen, which I thought was uh, fantastic. I, to me, that's what community is all about. Um, We are there for the benefit of the group. And that group is made up of individuals. We all have different needs. We're all coming from different experiences and perspectives. Um, We all have different limitations and blocks and all kinds of stuff, right? Um, So if we can create experiences where everyone feels like they are a valued member of that community, that comes from respect, understanding, empathy, uh, that comes through a bit of service, that comes through um, kind of this holistic leadership model where we can actually create an experience for everyone to be as inclusive as possible. Yeah. And I think it also, we could kind of connect it to the conversation we had with Brienne where it came up, she mentioned how community is experienced on an individual level first, and then that feeds into like the community uh, aspect. So I think that 
WDS and like your experiences with that as well as sheds. It it really, I think it was lucky that that was your big first experience. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, like you, you skipped a lot of the learning <laughs> and you got to the good stuff like immediately. <laughs> I, I think back, like had I started into my career in events, like knowing that that was what I wanted to do, I would have gone to like, you know, either a private parties or planning or into a corporate meeting planning. And honestly, like, I don't know who I would be today if, if that were the case, because that's not the kind of environment that I would want to create. And I'd, I, there would be so much learning process and um, trial and error involved with figuring out what attendee experience means and like how to actually cultivate community through an event. Yeah, and taking it a step further. So part of attending experience is this thing that we love to do is like surprising and delighting people. Mm -hmm. I don't know who came up with that phrase. I think it might have been you. Maybe you got it from somewhere else. I don't know. The it's, point is that it is like, not original to me, but that is okay. that's another phrase we used a lot on the WS team, which comes it has a history before that, I'm sure. Oh, well, there you go. So this idea of surprising and delighting people. So I think in, in the episode we touched on like how Jed has been a part of that. And he's very mm -hmm. good at that. Like, I really love how he he sees attendees as people. And I think that's why he's so good at what he does. Right. He always approaches it from that attendee first perspective and like looking to go beyond just what is like on the checklist and actually mm -hmm. like creating experience for people. So I thought it'd be interesting. Why don't we talk about surprise and delight? Not, not just how we work on it, but like experiences that we've had as attendees and like how we have been surprised and delighted at events. So, well, first, I want to say, like, a lot of people, when they think of surprise and delight, they think, like, wow, fireworks, like, flare, over-the-top, high-production kind of stuff. That can surprise and delight. Um, but I think it's important to understand that, like, you don't have to go there to surprise and delight other people. It's about, you know empathy and recognition and acknowledging that there are other humans in the room. And then like the, the phrase, I mean, it's plastered up here on my wall behind me, the phrase that stuck with me ever since I was in college, uh, which was a quote from a designer is pay attention and give it. This is like one of my little event pet peeves that I think plays into the surprise and delight thing. I, I don't know at what point this started, but I had this moment a while back where I was like, why, why are we always defaulting our, the sorting of our registration lists by last name? Interesting. And I was like, we don't like gone are the days of, Oh, Mr. Watson. Uh, yes. It's lovely to have you here. Thank right. you for joining <laughs> us. Right. We all go by our first names right? or, or our chosen names, you know, whatever. Um, and so to 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 like walk up to registration and to be asked what your family name is or your your last name is just kind of awkward to me. And so I start. I was just like, no, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> we're sorting by first name, and it it catches people uh, by surprise because a lot of people, especially uh, in a professional setting, expect to provide their last name to be looked up for a thing. But honestly, like, I find that first names are so much more interesting and it provides such a 
personal experience during the registration process to say, oh, you know, uh, welcome. So glad to see you. What's your what's your first name? Oh, it's Nessa. Hi, Nessa. It's like you you don't have to you're, you're removing a step because like as registration staff, if you're given a last name, then you have to look at their first name. You're like, oh, are you Nessa? Uh, right. You know, <laughs> so like and, and in some cases, if you have a more uncommon uh, first name, then it's easier to find you as opposed to a common like you have a fairly common last name right. um i have a fairly common last name yeah, but especially. there are very many isaacs <laughs> right right, um, right and so so that's just been something that we've put into practice and this um this kind of uh it didn't quite bite me in the butt but um last year i uh, worked uh, on site for a small event focused on um like uh clinical trials industry and like trying to figure mm -hmm. out how to make that process better uh and so we had maybe 40 or 50 people come to this thing and i did this again i was in charge of registration i and i was like i'm sorting my list by first name um and so many people were like why aren't you asking me my last name? And I was like, really? Would you rather me call you your last name to start with? And they're like, well, no. I said, great. All I want is your first. Like, we're now on a first name <laughs> basis. My name's Isaac. Your name is Nessa. Great. How nice to meet you. How yeah. are you? And it changes. It flips the script a little bit and it changes the way we engage and it makes it more human oriented, which I think is really important because especially from a registration standpoint, that's the f oftentimes the first interactive experience that they have with your event when they come on site. Um, and so to, to just share a little bit more of a human connection in that way, I think is really important. I love that you brought this up because I read a LinkedIn post last week that annoyed me. And I <laughs> love that you brought this up because now we can talk about it. So it was specifically about registration. So this, this is a person that's like in the events industry yeah. and, and the post was like a hot take about stop wasting people's time at registration. Stop having somebody sit there at a table and talk to these people. We have machines, we have scanning, no! people have QR codes in oh. their phone. Stop wasting people's time. And I'm like, this is where we fundamentally disagree. Yes. And it annoyed me because it's like, the first experience that people have at your event is walking through that door. And mm -hmm. I, as a human being that is welcoming people in, like if I'm going to a party, I'm inviting somebody to my house. I'm inviting somebody to any space. It is my joy to be at the door and be yeah. able to welcome people on an individual, you know, element and say like, hi, it's nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, and I understand from their perspective because they're thinking about like a hundred thousand people events like insanely sure. you know large yeah. scale but even 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 that though like going back to the bts concert we had to scan in our tickets at these like kiosk things but at every one of those kiosks there was a person standing there <laughs> saying hello and thanking us for being there wow so there you go it's like it's important. Yeah. Do you, you're... Like, do you want people to feel like cattle processed through a machine when they get to right. your event? No. Right. 
you're already setting up that expectation of not being seen not being cared about not being a person right Mm -hmm. out of the gate because there's just a you know a scan here machine at the door and there's nobody there like that is so bizarre to me and it annoyed me because it, it this person was basically seeing it as like a save money put a machine mm-hmm. stop wasting people's time quote unquote and get on with it and, and like no like that is your first chance to set an expectation with people mm-hmm. uh, to make a connection with people to have them feel seen and feel mm-hmm. welcomed you know so I'm so glad you brought that up because I think <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think the whole process of registration and oh because they also criticize like having badges like badges are a waste of time that's another thing i disagree with because i think badges is just another little way for everybody to feel seen because they have their name on a thing like everybody likes seeing their name on stuff right like i think that that, that's just they serve a functional purpose which is to help other people remember who you're talking to like how many times do you go to an event you're like oh i met you your face is familiar but i don't remember what your name is that's the purpose of the badge right or you're like me and i you could tell your name 10 times and i'm always gonna forget it because i'm trying to pay attention to what you're saying right (laughs) and i always forget names but even even if you take that part away people like seeing their names on things people like badges like i don't care like the investment or the people attendees like having badges i've never had an attendee say they didn't like the badge that we created for them i've never heard that i've never heard people complain about that so why are you trying to take away something looking at it at dollars and cents but you're taking away another little opportunity to do something cute and make somebody's day you know um so two things on registration that i will add to that one um we had a client in the past who abhorred lines they insisted no line no lines for meals no lines at registration Now, I get that nobody wants to stand in line for 20 minutes to get a plate of food, right? Reducing lines, keeping things flowing is important, but lines are where people meet each other. Yes. And they have a shared experience where it's it's downtime. Some people are on their phones. They can interact in different ways. You have little groups that can form, but lines are a fantastic way at an event to meet other people. What else are you doing if you are inclined to strike up a conversation i am not that is not me um but if someone were inclined to strike up a conversation with me that's a great place to do it right um and so the i think the lines are important i think that if anything you should overstaff your registration Mm -hmm. simply to give time for those human connections so i was thinking about you nessa uh so we had a client for three years we did two years of virtual events and you were essentially the attendee concierge virtually digitally and then uh last year it was a hybrid event and you were on site and handling registration and so you had the opportunity the unique opportunity to have interacted with a lot of these repeat attendees before and then to finally meet them in person yes and i remember you telling me i think you should tell them all kind of how you experienced that moment because i don't think you were expecting it i was not so obviously as we're working towards getting the event done like i'm worried about like getting all the (laughs) i's dotted and the t's crossed right and like i knew like i'm gonna be at registration but 
I know what I needed to get done. Like I, I wasn't worried about that, but at no point did I actually think about like the interaction element. And it was so insane to me that like, as people were coming in and I was checking them in, they were like, Oh my God, you're Nessa. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to finally meet you. And like, blah, blah, blah. And they were like treating me like a sort of like celebrity because yes. like for the past two years, like I have always been the first person that they see at the mm-hmm. events because I was doing like the introduction videos and I was or you participating were the one in the emails. chat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Answering the emails. I was in the live chat. If anybody like needed help, I was usually the first person they were going to. And at no point did it process like through my mind that people would remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So it was so surreal to be there. And people were like so excited to meet me. And it was like, they were so happy and like, they weren't even in the door yet. You know what I mean? And like, we, we got to have like a nice little connection, a nice little moment. And they felt like they felt good because I was the first person that they were seeing in the in-person one. (laughs) And you felt seen, but also they felt they saw you because you saw them previously, right? Like you had right. these personal connections with them and they were able to then see you in return. And I think that's part of what we're talking about here is this opportunity for people to engage with each other on a human level right. and actually make and share connections with each other. Yeah. And it's a really beautiful thing because even, even if I didn't remember them, their faces, because obviously online mostly were via chat, via text, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like they would tell me their name and I'd be like, oh, that's right. I do know <laughs> right. you. <laughs> and we had this wonderful little moment of like, oh, I remember you from last year, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah. And it was, it was an incredible experience for me, which I was not expecting. Cause again, I'm not thinking about my experience. I'm thinking about the attendee experience, but I think at the end, it it was good that I was there because people felt good walking in because they felt like they already knew me and they were coming into something that was already familiar to them. Mm-hmm. They weren't walking into like a place with strangers. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I had a couple of people actually say that to me. Like they felt it's so nice to see me because they felt like they were back at the online events with mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody and like it didn't feel awkward and, and, and scary right yeah. um so yeah that was that was fantastic it worked out really well and i got to feel like a celebrity for a little while which has never <laughs> happened so <laughs> that was great um but but again if we had decided to do a, a machine scanning qr right. codes like we wouldn't have had those experiences with yeah. with the attendees you know yeah I think another thing that we did at that event that I really appreciated is with the attendee badges, we left them fairly plain. Yes. And we encouraged people to decorate them. We had like markers out and sticker sheets and all kinds of stuff as a way to give them an opportunity to add some self-expression to their badge, whether that was, you know, affinities with a particular niche within that industry or uh, a, some nerdy thing that they identified with or whatever it was, um, it it gave them an opportunity to be a little more seen on a personal level um, as opposed to just having first name, last name, company. Right. And it also communicated with them the vibe of the event. Like, mm-hmm. we are not here to be formal 
corporate boring mm-hmm. like this is supposed to be fun celebratory this is about you and like representing who you are and 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 you know living that out loud and again i think that also works happening right at the entrance as people were arriving yeah yeah okay so i want to shift a little bit to something else that we talked about with jed a bit which is attendee communications which i think is another key element in uh helping people feel seen and heard and and making sure that we are uh getting them the information that they need um this is something we've become quite a bit of sticklers on uh, with Mm -hmm. our clients. And we've gone so far as to develop templates and cadences and things like that. Um, In your mind, what are the like kind of big biggest reasons for thorough attendee communications? Uh, Like what goals do they serve? Yeah, well, first of all, attendee communications is something that too many people overlook, Mm -hmm. and that bites them in the butt. And I think the biggest reason for attendee communications is that it will make everybody's lives easier at the actual event. Um, People arrive already understanding like the big important concepts. They know where to go, like what they're supposed to do to get there, um, all those things. But uh, let me step back. I don't want to get into too many details, but yeah. Um, The first thing it's going to do is is make your staff's life as much easier because people are are prepared. They're not Mm -hmm. asking questions that you already answered a million times. There's always going to be questions, but it it reduces that. Mm -hmm. So you're not having to have like a million staff members just to address questions. Um, It makes people feel comfortable as well. The, the audience feels seen talking, going back to that again, they feel seen because they're not having to ask the staff questions. They're not Mm -hmm. having to constantly follow up with the staff. It it sends the message that we know what we're doing and we're going to take care of you. So you can come here and, and feel comfortable, feel taken care of, knowing that we already did the work, right? We, and, we've already yeah. taken care of all this stuff. And that we've we've thought about you, the attendee, and your experience and, and enough to know that you're going to need to know this information or you're going to have these types of questions, right? It shows mm-hmm. forethought. It shows intentionality. And also establishing trust because there's nothing more terrifying than investing like $700 in a conference and not hearing anything, like buying the ticket and never hearing from those people again. So you're like, okay, is there even a conference? Is this happening? You know, (laughs) like, what are we doing here? Um, So establishing trust with that person as well, that we are still here because if it's an event, for example, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's online or in person, but they've bought a ticket you don't exist unless you are communicating to that attendee regularly because Mm -hmm. there is not a place to go a store you know to go to it's the communications that you're having via email on social media that keep that keeps reminding them like yeah we're there we're doing this thing we want you to come it's going to be great if you're not communicating you stop existing and that scares people yeah. And I think that a lot of people miss that in that when they're thinking about their event marketing, mm-hmm. the 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 public side of that, which is the information about the event, which is the sales process, like convincing mm-hmm. them to attend is great. It's very important. You have to sell tickets. Once somebody makes that decision, 
to then attend, there's a whole that unlocks a whole lot of more information that you're going to want to provide them because they've mm-hmm. committed and they don't need to continuously hear the sales message because they've already decided to buy. If that's all they hear, then they're just going to think, oh, you're just trying to make money. Like, why am I even right, here? Right. Right. Exactly. And um, that goes to that 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 scary feeling of, OK, before you had my money, you were communicating plenty. But mm-hmm. now that you have it, like all of a sudden you have nothing to say to me. That's really an icky feeling yeah. for that attendee. Yeah, I think that's especially true of in-person events when people are when you're expecting people to travel. Right. You Mm -hmm. need to keep in mind when people are likely to book their flights and their hotels and things like that to make sure they have the information they need about like. What day should I arrive if you haven't published Mm -hmm. the schedule yet? Mm -hmm. Um, Is there a hotel block? Uh, You know what? What should I expect as far as meals, right? Like all of that is useful information that's very logistical in a lot of ways, but it goes so far to help them feel like they're part of the event and they're prepared and they know what to expect once they arrive. Yeah, and and uh, the communication is part of the attendee experience. And we're mostly what we're mostly talking about right now is like uh, communication leading up to the event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's part of the attendee experience because you're already taking care of them. You're already saying, Hey, this is how you get to the hotel. This is how you get to the event, right? This is, uh, suggestions. Like what we've done is suggesting places to eat in the city that they're mm-hmm. going to. We've also gone as far as to say the weather, this is what the weather's going to be like. So maybe you want to pack a jacket, right? right. Um, you're already taking care of that person before they've even arrived. And that is, informs the attendee experience and they get there already feeling like they've been seen and they've been taken care of now attendee comes during the event is also important because Mm -hmm. things change during an event and we want people to get the information as soon as possible in the easiest forms possible because they are part of the event they need to be informed that attendee Mm -hmm. communication does not stop because they are there you know we we have to keep them up to date with things especially when changes happen right and and just to remind them of things events are overwhelming you go to a conference you've got a schedule you've got to keep in mind you've got people you've got to meet up with you're trying to like navigate whatever work you're missing while you're there like there's a lot going on in your attendees brains and keeping in consistent communication with them helps make sure that they're paying attention to what they need to when they need to because you can't expect them to just memorize the schedule up front and remember all that stuff it, it is a lot, and that's a form of care. And we also have to remember, not everybody is the same. There are people that are extroverts, and mm-hmm. oh, they've got all the energy in the world, and they're doing great. But there's other people that are introverted, or they get tired more easily. And giving them that that information, that communication, keeping that connection going, helps those people to mm-hmm. still participate in the event as much as they can. Because, again, you're helping them not have to do that extra energy of going up to, to the help desk to ask a question, yeah. right? Or to get on an email and type out an email, right? We're taking care of people through comms. Um, yeah. And then after the event is over, attendee communication shouldn't end, right? Attendee right. communication needs to continue after that because, first of all, you're thanking them for being a part of your event. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think enough events thank people afterwards. <laughs> like, they kind of go and then, you know, that's it, right? right. <laughs> like, but I th- I think you should be thanking them. You should be giving them follow-up information. There, there mm-hmm. are instances where um, 
we've had like a sponsor offered a free thing so we sent an email reminding people like mm-hmm. hey you know claim your free grift or whatever or things come up and and we want to follow up and make sure that they know that the event photos the photographer yep takes a little bit of while to process the photos we want to make sure that the attendees uh, get access to those photos mm-hmm. and they get to see themselves at the events because that's another thing like a lot of people forget to take pictures and the pictures that the photographer took for the event like that's it those are the photos they got yeah. you know <laughs> and like as the the resident leo in the room i love scouring the event photos for oh. photos of myself <laughs> And I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I hope I'm not in there. <laughs> but it's it, it's that. It's also, you know, if you have talk videos coming out, you've got to let people know. You can't right. just expect them to revert back to following you on social media, especially when social right. media is algorithmically influenced. Mm-hmm. Your, your attendee comms are your way of, you know, getting in front of your attendees after the event is done. Post-event surveys. Um, content, maybe, you know, your speakers had, uh, had some big news to share or something, right? Like these are all opportunities to continue maintaining and, and, and deepening that relationship with your attendees, which ultimately is going to serve future events, um, because it shows, it demonstrates that you care. It demonstrates that you, um, have, that you're keeping your attendees in mind, um, and, it's just it it's a great way to keep people in touch. Another thing I see a lot of people do, especially for um events that are um attended by people who like to share their own recaps and stuff. So people will do blog post roundups, right? Like yes. you know, hey, did you write about going to this event? We're gonna do a roundup article on our website and share all of that stuff so that you can see what each other's things were, or we're going to help connect you with each other, whatever that is. Like there's all kinds of different ways you can do this. Our point being that you can't just let it drop as soon as the event's over and not communicate with them again until you're ready to sell the next tickets. Yeah. Attendee communications after the event is still a thing. There's plenty to be communicated. I mean, we went through a list right now and I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff we missed, but yeah, yeah, overall attendee communications is a much more important aspect and much bigger thing than I think a lot of people uh, think when they're planning an event, right? They're so Mm -hmm. focused on the actual event that they forget that attendee communications is an entire process that has to happen Mm -hmm. throughout that entire planning process as well and even after the event so and it's i mean it's honestly something that takes a lot of labor too you're talking about copywriting you're talking about you know fact checking and verifying make sure all your links work um all your information's accurate that's it's a significant effort so it's important to plan ahead to have your team's capacity at a place where you can actually support that yes and yeah thanks to jed for uh bringing that to the conversation Uh, i think he he is so good at that as well like Mm -hmm. being that attendee concierge and and being part of that communication plan that he brought up a lot of great points as well so i think if there's one tip that i can pull out of what uh what he was talking about with attendee communication is just Taking about any time you make a decision or change something, just think, have we told the attendees about that? Right. Have we told them? <laughs> Do they know this? Do they know where to go? Because um, that I think that's a great frame of mind where it's just like, you know, let's let's just check that. Did we are we good on that? 
do we have time to tell them things like that Thanks for listening to this episode of Make It Kick-Ass. We hope you found it entertaining and helpful. If hosting a community event is on your radar, visit GetEventLab.com to take our free 30-minute training called Community Event Mastery. That's GetEventLab.com or use the link in the show notes. Make It Kick-Ass is hosted by Isaac Watson and Nessa Jimenez. Post-production audio by Chris Nelson at Mittens Media. Our theme song is Feel It by Dojo for Crooks. Make It Kick-Ass is a production of Kick-Ass Conferences, an event strategy and design agency serving leaders of growing communities.